Welcome to episode 5 of Everything Else, the new entertainment podcast series on NBC10 Boston. I'm your host, Ray Fischetti. So typically with this show, I list the three most obvious topics you'd expect me to ask about and then ban them at the start of the conversation. But this episode is different. I decided that sometimes I'm going to ditch that premise to dive into the backstories of some people you may not know about. And I'm going to start with a group called Collective. If you've never heard of them, they're a Boston-based digital marketing and events agency, which basically means they're a group of insanely creative people. They weren't happy with the parties and events going on in Boston, so they decided to change it and put it on their own. While they have a number of events, they're best known for The Wave, one of the most popular day parties in the city. I sat down with Collective the night before the 6th anniversary edition of The Wave to talk about the event itself, the highs and lows they've been through as a company, operating in Boston, and a number of other topics. Take a listen. All right, let's go. So let's just start off. You guys go around the table, introduce yourselves and your role in Collective so people know who they're listening to. What's up, everybody? It's Paul. Uh, I'm creative director and uh, founder. What's up, everybody? My name is Owen. I'm creative production, Collective, collective US. Name's Kibby. Handle content and making sure all the dudes in this room are well. Uh, Malcolm, um, I guess, I don't know, head of talent, something like that. Marketing support, flash. My name is Brian, uh, event production producer, just the guy who lifts the heavy things. <laughs> yeah. All right, so typically with the show, what we do is we bring the guest in and we skip the obvious topics, but this is the first of a reoccurring set of episodes. We're going to take a deep dive into the history of cool brands, cool stories, cool backgrounds. So before we get into the history of the wave, let's just talk about where you are now and then we'll go back. So like, what is the wave and you know, where have you guys been seen? How far have you gone? Man, uh, The Wave Boston is our signature day party that started six years ago um, this month. And basically, we started it. Um, it was inspired by Max P uh, back in the days because before he got locked up, free Max B. Um, but he was a pioneer of the whole Wave movement. Um, but in essence, we started it to, in essence, create a space for people like us, which are creatives of color that are not, you know, drawn to parties and events that play the same type of music and have the same type of people all the time. So we wanted to create a space. Uh, in essence, I think Brian put it perfectly this week. Create, uh, we wanted to create um, the Boston that we wanted to see and be a part of. And um, I think we did that by really focusing on the music. Uh, this is pre-clout era. This is pre, you know, it's really just about reaching out to DJs, producers from SoundCloud, from, you know, kind of pre-Spotify, I guess, as it exists now, but reaching out to SoundCloud producers that we thought were cool, people we saw on Twitter, and just, you know, DJs from all around the country and the world that we <clears throat> thought would be uh, accepted well in Boston and that normally wouldn't come to Boston. Um, and, yeah, just helping provide a, an environment for young creatives to meet uh, and kind of, like, you know, collaborate. The Wave is an event produced by, is it Company, Collective? Would you say it's a Company? Yeah, Collective.us, a creative agency. If you're looking it up, it's CCLTV. But it didn't start with all you. CLLCTV.us, baby. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> There's a bunch of you here now, but it started by two of you, right? Like, you guys weren't all there from the beginning? Yeah, um, well, I would say the iteration that we're in now is all of us together. Um, we've had a couple of iterations. We were at Collective Boston at the beginning, um, and it was founded by myself and um, Ray. He's uh, actually based in D.C. now. Uh, we came together, and we were like, yo, we want to host events, and then we all knew 
each other on the scene somewhat in some way. So the way that it is now is generally when we really picked up and started the wave collective Boston was all of us together as a team. Um, so yeah, it was it was founded by the two of us, but then we all came in and as partners and did our first event together. So the wave wasn't there from the beginning, like CCLT Collective. Sorry, it was something else, and then you decided you want to start doing the wave. Well, we had done an event before. Um, Looms and Brian were on that first event. We had done an event, and we wanted to see like what it would be like if there was a landscape or a room for us to do what we wanted to do in the city. And then we all like met each other like formally, and we were like, all right, let's really try to make an event happen, and. And that iteration as Collective Boston, that's where we really started the wave. So the wave is Collective Boston as much as it is, is like what it is now. And it's all everybody here was had their hands in it on deck. So, But yeah, our first project as a crew was uh, shooting a small short documentary on 7L and Esoteric and Get On Down and kind of their history within rap and stuff. That was our first, first project as a crew. Um, so we started out doing content and then, you know, all right, cool, what else do we want to do? And that's when the wave came after that. And we've kind of just been doing a lot of different stuff since then. So initially it wasn't just like we're going to have the best party in Boston. No. <laughs> No, it, w it wasn't really like, oh, we want to do a party because um, if you look at us, all of us, uh, the collective. As he wears a hat, this is day party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Baron, day party in the building. Um, but um, when Paul brought us all together, we were already like doing our own stuff uh, on the scene, like he said. And um, basically... Uh, we have Ray, he was visuals. You have Kibi, marketing, also a photographer. Um, you have um, Paul already was doing his things, DJing, and that's kind of like how we met. Brian was also doing his thing as DJing. So we wanted to figure out what we wanted to do as far as what we can bring to the table on the scene of Boston. So the idea of um, shooting, um, doing the doc docu-series on um, 7L and Esoteric was kind of like brought us to the table and we were all hands on deck and I feel like that was the spark for those moments. So uh, what year is this when this started? Like 2013 I think? It was 2013-2014. Uh, yeah so we started the wave in 2014. I think we shot the documentary 2013. So it was I think for us it was like we wanted to not only do events but we wanted to tell stories of you know, the experience of young people in Boston. So whether that be through an event or whether that be through a visual or photo, like photos, we wanted to say, like, there's a culture here that may not be seen of young people of many different backgrounds that's cool here. We want to tell that story. Um, I know Kibby has, like, is, uh, is involved in, like, photography and stuff. Like, I'll let her elaborate more on. But I think for us, it's, like, just telling stories that, like, cool stuff that's going on in the city. Yeah. No, I think that's you said it perfectly. Also trying to keep people in Boston who are creative here without having to leave to go to New York or L.A. or Chicago or somewhere else. Trying to keep, like Malcolm said, the Boston that we wanted here and have people kind of stay. So we'll get more into it this part after, but Boston's obviously changed a lot since you guys started. Like in, what's it been, six years? It's changed like most cities, probably doing like 20. But can you guys paint the picture of what Boston was at the time that you decided that it needed a party like this and a reoccurring event? So Boston was an interesting place. I think for us... Um, there's, a, I think there's a bunch of sides of Boston. Um, there's a side of Boston of people that live in Boston. There's a side of people that live outside of Boston. Um, and there's multiple experiences with people who live here. So I think for young people, like, we were coming up in an era of, like, 
what was it around like when Karma Loop was a big thing, um, different like streetwear brands were like focuses, and that was kind of who ran the culture. Um, there was like the nightlife in that segment. It was like the theater district, and you know clubs. You had to dress up and pay covers to get in, and it was like really like segmented in how people you know connected and operated, and like going to different cities. I know we would all spend time in different cities and see like there's more to culture than you know like like being so segmented and like separated and we wanted to like bring that together i think boston was very much different from my perspective i don't know like yeah i mean not like just just to kind of elaborate on what paul is saying is just basically the the way boston was was like anything cool and like fun or anything that was inclusive or you know that made everybody feel like they were part of something was very outside of boston you know, in New York or in L.A. or wherever, like, like basically, we would travel to these cities and just be like, we, you know, you you realize like the way we feel in Boston when we go out, or we the way we feel in Boston when we do something creative and we feel like it's stagnant is just not the way it should be. And instead of feeling the need to go outside of Boston to feel like we could do something, we'd rather, you know, basically start at home. And that was basically the motive. Don't get me wrong. There were, like, places, like, uh, you know, there were events, like, a little louder or, like, Middlesex Lounge, Purple, stuff like that. That was, they were representative of what we wanted to see, but they were so few and far between that it was, like, okay, how how can we make this a re- a real thing, like, a connected, more of a connected thing, so. Because people have options. It's not just you have to go to the same party over and over again and see the same people over and over again. I remember going in the early days, too, and thinking it was cool because, like, parties at the time, it's like you have the dance party, you have the networking party, you have, I don't know, the DJ event. This was kind of like you can go there and have all those things, and it was just very optimistic, and it was just like a, it felt more like a house party than a club, yeah. mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Was 100%. that the goal you guys were going for, that kind of just? Yeah, I think it was just getting the right people in the room and, like, having them come through, and if it turned into, like, a, a great, like, all-out party that's cool and if it was more people just ch- chatting up and talking and connecting making new relationships we were cool with that too yeah i think you know every and you have to look at everything holistically it's very intentional right uh we're not putting like uh, instagram models on our flyers to get people to come we're not there's no bottle service this it's not that kind of vibe it's like it's it's really like counter club in essence right where you know, we're focused on aesthetics, right? We're focusing on the experience of the consumer. We're not focused on making the most money. We're focused on really uh, providing the best experience to a party goer or just somebody that wants to be out. And, you know, we do Sundays because it's like we're not really here to compete with, like, nightlife, right? That's not what this is for, right? And we do early because it's like, okay, cool. You can still get lit, meet a bunch of people, do whatever you got to do, and then you can still be home by, like, 10, 10, 30 and be able to wake up and go to work the next day, right? Um, and, you know, I think we just provided that space. And, you know, I think it opened up a lot of opportunities um, for a lot of other people within the city to kind of do the same thing, which is, in essence, what we wanted this whole time. So where Boston's not the biggest party city, did that cause, you know, any hurdles the first year or two trying to find rooms to get into or getting people out? Or, like, was there any headaches along the way or did it kind of just work off the jump? How much Advil you got? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we were fortunate to have, you know, certain people take chances on us. You know, uh, to be frank, you know, we're a group of six young black people in the city of Boston, which is 
or African-American or people of color in the city of Boston, which is, you know, sometimes at the time had a negative connotation of, you know, events like this may cause issues or frictions for nightclub owners and stuff like that. So we were lucky enough to have some of the management at Middlesex Lounge take a chance on us and say, all right, we'll give you a shot and we'll see how it goes. And Middlesex at the time was one of the most in-demand venues for stuff that we wanted to hear. Like we have, there was like legends in our scene that would be playing there all the time. So to get into a venue like that was like nothing like to laugh at or like it was nothing small. So for us, it was like, all right, what can we do with this? How can we make it an extension of what this venue already is, but that speaks to the generation that, that we we're trying to bring in. And, um, so, like, getting venues in the city of Boston, not not only at that time but still now, that has always been one of the biggest hurdles. I think what you always have to find is the right partner that understands what you're trying to do, where you can go, and who you're speaking to, and what your what your what your experience is going to tell the people, and how do you keep them coming back? And I think we've always been in a good situation with the venues that we've worked with to be able to do that. So after you know. The first year, whatever it was, what was the first like big milestone where you guys were like, "Wow, this is changing. This is growing. This is turning into something else." We won um, a Best of Boston Best Party Award in 2015, um, and I think what that's a year and some change in, right? And I was just like, "Oh wow," you know, because you never know. You, you, I think we kind of like put our heads down and just kind of just try to keep doing dope. As well. oh, can we say on here? You don't have to edit Let that it out. It. Yeah, be yourself. <laughs> you don't want me to be my real yeah. self. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll give you that. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, twenty fifteen we won our best of Boston award for party. Um, I think that really, you know, that was our first big milestone as a crew um, to go from our very first wave to having like seventy, seventy five people in a room at Middlesex um, to you know being able to do shows at the Sinclair and like you know having a line down the block for the same spot in Middlesex like years later is kind of crazy winning an award um two years after we started is kind of kind of nuts right and um you know I, I think we we just were focused on the music and bringing in cool DJs that would provide different experiences that people in Boston normally wouldn't get and we're still doing that right um but I think getting that award you know obviously awards are awards and whatever it's all subjective but I think something that we're not even focused on and we get recognized for it, it's just like, wow, we're actually doing something right and people outside of us uh, find value in it. It's good to get that cosign, see that it's noticed. Yeah, I think to us it was like, wow, because it's like who we had our people that were paying attention to our events, but when you get somebody from outside like Boston Magazine who writes all the cool food stuff and all the nightlife places that people are supposed to go to and they're taking recognition of a group of people that, you know, we would never thought that they were paying attention to us and to say that we were the best at something it wasn't like oh like you know we're the best like but at the same time it was like wow that actually speaks to what we set out to create in this city i'll even tell you the story like how we even found out uh that we won best of boston we didn't find out we didn't get an email from them we didn't have they didn't have our contact we didn't have no party we didn't get nothing we didn't get no heads up on this nothing (laughs) i i walked into middlesex and the bar manager and uh, the GM basically like tapped my shoulder like, yo, we, we got something in the mail. You got to see this. <laughs> and, like literally, it was like a Friday night and I was just there like, I, I was I think I was working like sometimes I used to like work like, you know, just like on my off nights at Middlesex and like they just like, yeah, uh, like you guys want Best of Boston. And it was just like, like I texted the group that were like, 
what? It was like, I can compare it to is like, imagine being an artist and you hear your song on the radio for the first time. Like, we all ran to the newsstands, bought editions of Best of Boston when we found out, and it was like, wow, like, did like, they not know that it was you guys? Did they think that Middlesex ran it or something? I think that's what they thought because they yeah. sent the award to Middlesex. But, yeah, you know. you. yeah, but they you know, they they credited us on the website or you know whatever. But but it was like that's that's how that came about. And it was just literally like like Malcolm said, we just we're just keeping our head down and working. And all of a sudden, like somebody somebody that we didn't think was paying attention. Gave the us, street is all his watch. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, just like basically, just gave us an accolade that we can tout for you know so many years after. Like they even they even stopped doing the award shortly after. Oh really? So yeah, you know, we're, the, we're the last you know winners. Eight. <laughs> nice. We can't top that. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did that lead to anything directly? That award, like any, you know, that help you in any way, or is it just kind of like a cosign? I think what it did was it allowed us to be more credible in places that we were approached. So I think after that getting that award. So that means people are talking about you. And I think Boston is a very small city in terms of nightlife and entertainment. So that would gave us the cadence or like the credence to be able to say, all right, um, you know, St. Clair, can we do a show here? All right, what's your history? What's your background? Yeah, we host this monthly event. It's pretty cool. We've won this award. And now I think we're looking to do something bigger. And um, that that's like, you know, it's like a resume builder. And I think that was what it led to. I think we've done... Of some some bigger things, we've got more space in bigger venues too. Yeah, and I think you know it also on the talent booking side too. It's just like it's funny like in 2013, 2014, 2015, reaching out to artists like you're trying to sell this. Hey, come to Boston. Like most people aren't going to come to Boston. It's if you're not like if you really don't have a fan base here, most people going to skip it, right? Especially on their first run. Um, but you know when you say that we're a award winning gay party um, or party in general or event. Um, you know, people are more like, oh, oh, word. When you're talking to an agent, when you're talking to a manager, it's like, oh, wow, oh, okay, oh, oh that's cool, right? Um, and then as you, I reach out to people within the past few years, it's like, people already know what it is now. It's so different where I had to like sell it. Now it's like, oh, yeah, we heard of you guys from DJs in New York, DJs in LA, DJs here, here, here. People know it now. So it's like, now it's just like, okay, cool, they're down to come. And now it's an easier sell. Now we can just kind of like, we have a little more freedom to like do cooler, bigger stuff. Well, it's good for the city as a whole because if they're coming here for you, then it's going to bring them here for other things and other people can take advantage of that as well, right? I can speak to that a little bit. Uh, what actually the wave has done, Kibi and, uh, and I, and also like the whole crew as when we started trying to like how can we like tell stories you know so as Malcolm was working hard and Paul and Brian like getting um, some of the you know best DJs that think we think Boston needed you know we wanted to also find a way to put that in a time capsule so to speak and we have this piece called uh, in a circle you know in a, I see in a circle and you know as how many we, be, we booked like over a hundred talents. So we wanted to like tell stories of some of the artists who are coming out here and some of them it was like their first time. So, you know, them being here and um, enjoying it for uh, DJing for the first time, it was something that we are proud of. And even like the wave as an establishment to to be able to be part of their journey and kind of like. Yeah, we, I mean, the premise of Inner Circle was to essentially bring people in closer since we're bringing these people in closer to our inner circle, right? Like Owen said, sometimes 
you know, when they come to Boston to play the wave, this is their first time coming to the city, so we wanted to make sure they felt comfortable here. Wanted to make sure we like, looked out for them. They were treated like family. And so the story, or the premise behind Inner Circle is to tell their story, um, and that's kind of why we started it. Yeah, and I think, like, bringing Selection to Boston for the first time in, like, what, 2015? Bring in Pomo, like, before you work with Anderson Park and Mac Miller, like, bring in, like, uh, 143, which is a big R&B party in L.A. years ago. Um, working with Living Proof, which is a big party in the U.K. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're paying attention to a lot of things, doing the stuff with uh, BK uh, Arena in Brooklyn, right? Um, we did a marathon event with them for a couple of years. So, like, you know, understanding all the different crews we've worked with from around the country and, you know, the world, um, and just really, like, making the world a little bit smaller. The Internet obviously helps with that, right? And uh, me being in L.A. helps spread us out. Owen is always in New York. Kibby's always traveling. And Paul and Brian are, like, international dudes. So, you know, just going around, meeting people from all around the world and be like, oh, my God, I think people in Boston would really appreciate what you're bringing. Um, and just connecting and, you know, making those relationships and trying to really bring quality talent uh, back to Boston when they normally wouldn't. You guys obviously have DJs in the group and then extended, like, Boston family. But you, as you said, you bring in a lot of people. I don't think you're just looking for the most famous person. Obviously, there's a type of person you're looking for. Like, what kind of check marks are you looking to hit when you're booking talent for these shows? So Malcolm does most of the booking. Um, well, yeah. So I think with um, from our perspective, it's like who fits the vibe of what we're trying to create? There's some people that may have thousands of thousands and thousands of followers on social media, but they can't DJ. So, or they might not be the right DJ for what we're looking for. They might not hit on the type of genres that we want. So I know Malcolm has ran programs and music in different places. So he always looks to that and is like, who would be a right fit? So I, I know we have conversations on a monthly. Malcolm can speak to that more. I think, you know, once you mature as a person and you kind of go around and meet people, you, 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 you see types, right? And in essence, we're just finding people like us in different places. Right, that are talented and really care about the music and, you know, are, are good people too. Um, we don't always hit the mark, but we try to. Um, but for the most part, you know, we're just, I, we want people that are going to bring a balance of new stuff, cool stuff, and really just throw a really good vibe, right? And we balance the lineup based on that, right? When you come to a bigger show, like, you know, we do stuff at Sinclair. We brought Bia, who has a huge track with Russ right now. Uh, we had Buddy, who dropped a crazy album last year, Big Songs with Nipsey, and this is years ago, right? We had Stiz before. We had all these people, right, um, before they peak, right? And that's kind of our thing, right? We want to get you the first exposure um, to these people and kind of, like, create a moment around that, right? And, you know, so next time they come back or when you see them in all these spaces, they're like, wow, Collective brought them years ago. Right, and it was for ten bucks. <laughs> now they're on festival lineup, and it's like, damn, I gotta pay two hundred dollars to see them. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things. Just like, all right, cool. We're trying to stay ahead and like really break artists here, right? And then you know, uh, when we bring producers and producer DJs, cool. There's also a bunch of artists in the city that normally wouldn't have access to this person unless they go to the whatever market that they live in, right? So if Lock Kim's there and you're an artist and you like the kind of stuff he makes, you can network with him, right? All these kind of things is like these things are intentional, right? Um, you know, and we just try to keep doing that, and we're going to continue to do that and just make things uh, bigger and better. Another thing to add on to that, I think what The Wave has done, too, is, like, the local community of DJs, you know, there's been so many people that we've booked in the city and given, I wouldn't say given a chance to because that's kind of condescending, but at the same time, it's, like, people that 
you know, they may not be DJing all the time in the city. They may not be a professional, but they, they still have the skill set in order to do that. And we've had so many of our, our friends or peers play the party, and now it's like they're doing amazing things as well. And I, I think it's always a grounds of, like, we've created a space where people take it seriously. Like, oh, I know I'm playing the wave. My set's going to be online. All right, cool. Like, I'm getting ready for this. Like, And it's like you could see that in the set. And it's like I think we took that seriously from the beginning as us of what we like to hear and what we like to play. And then people started to take that seriously. So whenever they play the wave, it's like, all right, I'm practicing for months ahead of time in order to get ready for this, you know? I think you got to look at the wave as I think we're in the business of building platforms, right? Everything I approach, I want to do that. And I think we've done that here with Collective. It's just the wave is a platform, right? It's a platform for... Uh, emerging and rising DJs. It's a platform for emerging and rising talent, uh, performance artists, as well as, um, you know, producers and everyone else from around the world. It's a platform to connect with this Boston audience, see how, how it goes down and cool, you know? I want to revisit that point you made about having, like, BS, Diz, people like that early. Do you think that's part of the draw now? Like, people trust you have a finger in the pulse when you co-sign someone they want to see who's coming out next i think so i think you know that kind of stuff varies um in essence uh i do think people trust our our ear and they trust the kind of people that we want to bring to uh the city um at this point you know i think there's a lot of times where people show up to the wave they don't know the artist but they or the dj but they trust us right and they're gonna have a great time i think that's what we can always offer people um there's it's it's no there's nothing crazy there's nothing extra there's no clout involved it's like yo we think this dj's dope we think you'll enjoy it and from all the past parties we've done we've done like 65 of these joints like yo you always have a great time right no matter what we're gonna balance it cool you might not like this reggae tone set right but there'll be a hip-hop or r&b or Future House whatever, or Afrobeat, whatever you're into, you'll get that throughout the night, right? Um, and I think that's the whole point of it. Instead of, like, going to a club and hearing the same uh, Rap Caviar playlist every night, right? That's not what it's going to be. We're going to give you some stuff that you haven't heard before, some stuff you may have heard before, um, but there's always going to be new stuff, and there's always going to be cool stuff. So Our mantra at the, at the Wave in terms of music is trust the DJ. We have a big signed right on the, the board that says, trust the DJ. Don't ask for requests. No requests, man. Yeah. <laughs> no requests. Be, because, if it, yeah. <laughs> because if you're trusting us to come into the space and meeting new people and getting these new ideas, you need to understand that we're bringing people that may not be from this area. And um, what's so important is imagine somebody coming from like Oakland or Miami that they play a totally different type of music. But they're coming into a space where we've created that people... Your expectations should not be anything. You should just go with the moment and be present. And for us, that's very important. And I think that's what allows us to have, you know, figure out what's coming next or, like, have the right people come in and the right energy when they come to play our, our events. Yeah, and I think it also creates a, a good environment, and you guys would know better than I would, for the DJs, right? When we have DJs come over, they know somebody's not going to come up to them and ask them to play a certain song, right? They can just get their set off, have fun, Get drunk and chill, like you know what I'm saying. And I feel like that's a great environment to come into. Like you got flown, people coming to Boston. You're doing this party. People are having a good time, and then you can just literally whatever set you wanted to get off, you can get off. And and that's a, a big part for getting people to come to the city. Trust the DJ, man. Um, that sign. Um, it just kind of speaks to even like how I feel when it comes to music. When I go out, I've been to New York a couple of times, and you know, like. 
you're on the dance floor just like getting it popping with shorty and then the dj just like oh, goes won't. off you feel me <laughs> so so <laughs> so like when it comes to the wave i feel like we really take that really seriously you know um <laughs> you you know you want to have somebody who understands um the, the landscape and how to get the dance floor moving you know so people this kind of goes with any cool situation or successful people but people see like the outcome but they don't necessarily recognize the work that goes into it what's some of the day-to-day grind that's not easy that's kind of draining like what goes into this that people don't transporting like 30 or 50 balloons in a vehicle <laughs> and not being able to see out of your your rear view and hoping the cops don't pull you over and, and wonder what the hell's going on and yeah just like little things like even just like just making sh- you know it number one every with the formula that we've created for the wave, it's always a risk. Mm-hmm. The anxiety that we probably go through every Saturday before the wave is is immense. And we put our own money into this, right? Like we have worked with sponsors like in the past and we continue to do so, but yo, like this is really all on us, right? We we built this from nothing, right? We Zero all dollars. came together, put all our money in in the very beginning and we just kept building. All the risk, like you said, is on us, right? Every time, like if this show don't go well tomorrow, we taking a hit, right? Like we don't have any angel investors like giving us money. We might have a sponsor, cool, that might make us, if a sponsor helps us with some stuff, cool, that means we'll do something extra, right? Cool, oh, we can afford to get these kind of balloons. We can get this kind of stage set up, right? But for the most part, bro, this is all, our, this is all us. Right, and it's like there's real risk involved, right? And it's like, oh, cool, collective doing this, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yo, man, like this is on our backs. This is everything. Like, it, it might go left one day, right? Hopefully not, right? But then we got to start fresh, and we're gonna keep it moving. We always got ideas, but like Brian said, man, we just it's blessed with tears, and then obviously like real money that we're trying to we put up for this, and we're taking risks. I think there's a lot that goes into what we do that we don't share. Like hours and hours of phone calls. Malcolm lives in a completely different time zone right now. Constantly being on group text with each other, constantly editing photos, videos. Like we we spend so much time thinking about this stuff from a consumer standpoint, putting pe- putting ourselves in their shoes. And I think sometimes that goes unnoticed. Like we're not just like, you know, have a bunch of names on a dartboard and we're just like picking names out of a hat. Like no, we spend a lot of hours thinking about every single detail that goes into this. Like, what types of drinks do we want to serve? What types of lighting do we want to have? What color scheme is the fire going to be? These are important details that we take seriously. And I think, as a result, everyone that we bring in takes it seriously, too. Yeah, and it's, it's like going back and forth, arguing with agents, <laughs> talking to managers. Working with talent is a whole different beast, too, right? Because it's just so many logistical things, booking travel, like really like, you know what I'm saying? Like, But, you know, we think about these things ahead of time, right? And I've been doing it for a while, but it's like, okay, cool. We want to make sure, like it's easy to just do an all-in and let people take care of stuff. But, like, I still like making the experience for the artist or DJ as smooth as possible. Right, we'll figure out a way to get you from the airport. We'll, fi- all right, cool. I'll, let me book your flight. Here are the options. I got it. Don't even trip. Right, your hotel's here. It's really close to the venue. Uh, we can pick you up. We can drop you off. We'll go to dinner before. We'll go to dinner after. Like, we're really trying to show people, like, yo, Boston is dope. There's good people here. We're professional, and like, yo, you should come back here. You should 
put this as one of your top cities to do an event, right? So now, you know, when I see artists at events in LA or New York, whatever it is, I'm like, hey, oh, you guys are doing a little tour or something? Are you doing a show? Come through, right? We've gotten a lot of stuff because of situations like that because we brought people out before. So next time people will reach out to us, hey, hey, Malcolm, hey, Brian, hey, Paul, yo, we want to come to Boston. Can we make this happen? Can we do this, right? And we're like, of course, let me know and we'll work it out, right? So we're building these relationships and people are having good times and now it's like, oh, wow, we want to do our own thing. Let's make sure we get the guys from Boston and lady from Boston. So you said you've done 65 of these? Around there. We don't, We have other properties that we do. So in the range, I say, like, we ran a party for three years every Saturday. And there was always lines around the corner. Like, events have been our life for the last yeah. six years. So all in all, I would say, <laughs> how many events do you guys think we've done? Like, over 200, 300? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say it looks like it's all wins from the outside. It can't be. Like what is what are some of the biggest L's or heartbreaking things or just stuff that broke you guys inside, you know? It's so difficult to to put a put a hand on what 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 are the heartbreaks for us. I think it's like I feel like in terms of scale, the fact that we've, you know, really been the ones that have stayed here and like, you know, stayed solid and loyal to this area that we haven't really scaled outside of where we wanted to scale. Um, and maybe that's not what it we need to be. I think you have to fit where you are and grow from where you are. But at the same time, too, I think there's opportunities that we've missed on just because we've been, you know, loyal to something or, like, not ready to move out of the place that we've been. And It's hard after six years of, like you said, what looks like wins to be humbled once in a while. I think also a lot of people also just because we're also trying something, they can't figure out how to even, like, define, define us. Yeah. 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 And say, like, for example, like, you know, like, say an artist wants to come to Boston and they look at the wave. And because we always trying something different and we're always doing something different, it could be a hip-hop artist. Like, is that really a hip-hop party? Maybe I don't want to do a show there. Is that really an R&B party? Maybe I don't want to rock with them. Just because they can't define us. Well, there are things beyond your control that you can't really control. So I think for us, one of the biggest things that we've been dealing with lately is that um, we had a successful Saturday night event called Ichiban Saturdays at Hajoko. Every Saturday for two years solid, two or three years solid. It was the place that people would come through. It was a free event. Saturday night in Fenway. Fenway was an area that not too many people would like that running our circles would frequent um and it was just a great experience people's favorite nights um and it just got stopped it's been put on hiatus for a while because of rules that beyond our control a situation beyond our control not even anything of like uh, a incident or anything like that it's just like the rules of the city so i think like that has been i, I think if i could speak to that that's how it's been one of our biggest things that we've had to deal with is like Okay, we're working in a climate that is very segmented in terms of rules and codes, and and there's not a lot of space to operate in terms of that setting. There's a lot of red tape. So something like the red tape can shut down what you have going on, like the great thing that you could have going on. And I think that that has been one of the hurdles for us, you know? I think there's also been internal challenges that we haven't had to deal with like there's six of us we're all we're not the same person we don't think the same all the time right yeah, you can't be like, actually the same person but everyone else is different <laughs> well i'm 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 not bald 
So, but she actually wears a wig. I can't. <laughs> but right, like, there's been you know this is stuff we don't talk about publicly. But you know, like, we're 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 six people. We're we're six friends. We're six family members. But there's times where not all six of us are gonna agree, right? There's been times where one of us has had an off year, had an off month. Like, we're still living our own lives and having to deal with real adult things, right? That we have to kind of put on hold sometimes to put on a good to have a good show, to have a good night. There's a lot of sacrifices we've all had to make in order to just have a good time, you know, in the moment when maybe behind the scenes it's not going so well. Mm -hmm. I think those are the struggles that we've all dealt with and kind of powered through that have made us that much stronger and closer within those six years. And I think we'll only continue to get stronger six years after. So overall, it's based in Boston, but you guys have been in different countries, even different cities. What's the recipe for maintaining the event's identity, but also making it a success when you go out of your comfort zone? So I would say one thing that we've, you know, the issue. I want to say it's an issue, but our identity, our our biggest event was the way Boston, or is the way Boston, correct? So that's what a lot of people know us for, and um, we were collective Boston at the beginning, um, and we always had discussions on how do we scale what we want to do and take it to different places. So we had to look, analyze that, look at it, and say like, where would make us viable in different markets? So there was a big kind of change that we went from collective Boston to collective US. Um, it kind of means us as a group, as a collective together, but also too, the idea of eventually want to be able to do road shows and take things to LA and take things to, Brian did an, a, a show in Nairobi, Kenya. Malcolm's hosted in a, a wave LA. So that just gave us a bigger, uh, a bigger area to do more things with. Yeah, and I think the, the formula's there. I think it's just, making it a priority now. Um, I think we started just really trying to bring, bring a lot of dope stuff to Boston specifically. Um, yeah, me living in LA, I get to see a lot of stuff like early, right? Um, artists that are, are just coming up, only doing two shows in the US and it's like New York and LA, right? Um, but also all the events around like this weekend's Grammy weekend. Uh, we had All-Star Weekend there was last year, two years ago, Oscar Weekend, like just seeing how major markets like that handle that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, cool. We could bring something like that to Boston, right? But also like understanding how saturated other spaces are, right? LA has a million day parties, right? New York kind of has like a million like super popular day parties, right? So maybe that's not the property we should bring to another market, right? Maybe we need to think of something very specific for that market, right? Or maybe other a weird left idea, right? Paul has his friends party um, amongst friends, which is like super cool, right? How do you, you know, bring that and take that on the road? Um, Brian's been working on an event for kind of his circle. How do we, you know, execute that to a high level and take it on the road, right? Um, and maybe not everything's supposed to be taken on the road, right? But I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there, and I think there are more people like us in all of these cities around the country, and it's just how do we find a way to connect with them. And we've done that, um, you know, in the past by collaborating with crews, right? We have went to Miami uh, and done stuff the guys have. We went to, you know, trying to go to Atlanta and do more stuff. We went to New York and did stuff. Like he's saying, um, it's so funny, right? The Wave LA that we did, uh, Blue the Great showed up, right? Uh, Blue the Great is just dropped a sneaker, dropped a Jordan sneaker, but he came to our first edition of the Wave. We only did one, right? I don't know. I got, I had, I had a bad, I had a bad experience with that venue. Uh, it's a venue. It really, it really, it really salted me on the whole thing. But we should, you know, we're talking, you know, with homies out there on maybe doing something quarterly, right? Uh, we're already in talks. Me and Paul are talking to people out there on figuring that out, right? But I think it's, you know, this overall like 
sharing of networks, right? Working with DJs from different places and how do we share audiences and how do we use each other to uh, to grow and, and build and link fam, you feel me? And I think it's also not just about events too. Like when we first started, the whole idea was build a Boston that we want to see, right? And it's not just going out at night. It's all that goes into it. Like, where are you eating? What type of show are you watching? Who inspires you? What kind of art are you looking at? So we're starting to, as we get older, we've had a lot of growth in those past six years. And I think, well, and pains too. I feel like we're starting to kind of think outside of ourselves and kind of get smarter, get sharper on some other things that you do as an adult. So it's debatable whether it's being done right, but on paper, you know, you look at the seaport, you look at the West End by the Garden, like Boston is technically becoming more of a destination city. Right. Have these changes, like, made it harder for you guys because there's more going on, or is this influx of people and business, like, made it easier for you to have events? So civically, I would say <clears throat> Boston is a space that we see a lot of development. We see a lot of, you know, mobility in certain areas. Uh, the city has changed in the last... If you If you look at... Um, Central Square in Cambridge if you walked there maybe 10 years ago and look at it now it's a completely different place what I see is happening though is there's a lot of focus on residential areas and not enough of that same money that's going into residential areas and cleaning things up going into the arts um, so as an artist in this city because I would consider us all artists we all do things that you know are in the culture I think Boston, what it needs to do is focus more on arts and how to sustain the arts. Um, they need to create an environment where people who are talented that aren't just in pharmaceuticals or education or healthcare can be viable in the city. Because you can have a city that's beautiful, you can have all these places, but if there's not cool things happening, those people are going to leave. And I think that's been one of the biggest things in our story. And um, I think Boston has build, been built now... And you see certain things going on, and it's like, why isn't that happening, you know, in every area? Why isn't that happening? Like, if they can build around TD very quickly, why can't that same investment happen in certain areas that other people would be at? Or maybe we're just not having the right access to the right things. But I think, like, the arts is one of the main areas that we really need to put an emphasis on. We have some of the best art schools here. We have a, one of the best music schools here. There's no reason why Boston shouldn't be a hub for creativity and and um, and just, like, overall dope stuff. And I think, you know, maybe we're the generation that has to go through, you know, what wasn't, and we try to build out of what wasn't so that the next generation will have a Boston that's like, oh, this is, like, this city is amazing. Like, I, I never want to leave Boston, you know? So I, I, it's 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 it's... There's such a love and uh, I wouldn't say hate, but there's a love and okay, he wants to say hate, but there's so many opportunities to to make this place a better place, and I think like we would like to see the fruits of that. All right, the people sitting at this table at 2020 versus the people who started this. How have your goals changed from the beginning? It's like when when something's an idea, and now you've turned that idea into something real. What's the next step? And it's like, how do we make that? will we turn real it's like uh, imagine like you turn water into wine like like you know but then like you started with that <laughs> come on now you started with jesus really, really? <laughs> I, I say you turn water into wine and then it's like all right now like how do i bottle this wine and like make sure that everybody who needs this wine gets it if you didn't know paul's dad's a pastor so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I had to use something like that. but it's like figuring out what the next step is and how do you constantly improve the process you know 
I think some of our goals from the beginning, like we've we've talked about this whole time about building a better Boston, right? Creating a culture, creating a better culture for Boston. Those goals, I think, will never change. I think how we iterate on ourselves and how we build on ourselves to be better is our new goal. That's our new focus. How do we make the wave Boston a, a movement, an entity that we can move to other places, right? That's part of our goal. How do we create other experiences and other things people can gravitate to because they because we are a household name now, right? I think those are the goals that we kind of are shaping for ourselves. Hashtag the wave Boston. <laughs> to, to add on to what they said too, I think, um, you know, when you start as an idea, so when you first think about, all right, there's all this water here. How do I make it wine, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you start out an idea, um, you're just trying to get it done, right? You're trying to execute. And our first wave, we executed, right? We did a little party of 70 people there. Great, right? But with anything, um, you know, you want to get to the next level. Once you, all right, cool. How do we get 150 people in here? How do we get 200? How do we get to 1,000, right? And, you know, outside looking in, as you mentioned earlier, it's like, wow, it looks like you're getting all these wins, right? But it's like, yeah, this is cool. But, like, if we're focused on the next thing and where we really want to go, um, that's how we keep building and keep pushing and keep, like, we could just do a, a party and be fine, right? But now, as KB was saying earlier, it's about expansion, right? It's about what are the other fields that, we already love and appreciate that we can really um, activate within, right? Whether it's food, whether it's, um, I don't know, festivals, whatever that is, right? How are we activating within these spaces? How are we activating and sharing our, you know, our ideas about things, right? Whether that's a, a youth conference, right? To help the young creatives in the city have like an outlet and kind of create a roadmap for them to execute on their ideas at a point. Um, whether that's owning something, whether that's a space, whether that's, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff is like, all right, cool. The wave's cool. This is great. Yeah, awesome. I know people that are working really, really hard just to do throw a successful party, right? Successful party stuff's cool, but it's like, is that going to feed you long term? I don't know. Maybe for some people. But like for us, it's like like we have six people here and we all have, are driven by different things. We all want to see different things as well as this collective vision that we have. But it's like how do we activate within all these other spaces and keep growing and keep pushing culture forward and keep pushing Boston and be better for, you know, young people of color that are just like everyone else. But, you know, how do we create a space for us to be our authentic self? K Kibby and I had a conversation, and she could speak to it more in the car on the way here about ownership. And I, I think that's the path. That's the answer to all questions. So, Kibby, I know you had, like, wanted to elaborate more on that whole idea of... Yeah, I mean, like, the goal has always been to, to have something that we can own that's, that's completely ours. I think we've put in a lot of work and a lot of dedication into helping out others, but the goal is to have something that is completely, some, you know, 100% we own. I, I think the role of, like, the segment that we've been in is, like, hosting and curating events. We do this for the love. We do this to make the city better. We do this so people can say Boston is amazing. Like, I didn't know Boston was like this. But that middle space that you're in, you're always in the middle space. So it's like, what is the next step to be, you know, out of that middle space where you can dictate the terms and you can say what goes on here and what doesn't go on here? And I think the only path to that and our goal is to own whether and it doesn't have to be a nightlife venue it could be whatever we want it to be whatever also just to kind of add like i think like paul said we're all artists like and 
uh, skill-wise, we haven't really been able to flex yet. Like, we've been doing a lot of, you know, shows at, at you know, 100-place venue, like 100-people venue, uh, like like Middlesex or, like, 200-people venue, 300-people venue. And, you know, with Sinclair, we're, like, doing 500 now. But, you know, the idea is also to, like, scale to, you know, reach huge numbers production-wise. You know, that's basically what we want to do is basically do what we do on a massive scale as well eventually. Um you know, hopefully regularly, even like annually or something like that. But that's also a goal that we've also had for for some time now, and hopefully we can achieve it in, in the near future. Um, to just say a few words on, on that, I think there's a <laughs> um, there's a lot of players, but not a lot of ballers, not enough ballers, and you know, is that also Jesus? Is that the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> what proverbs that? Uh, I mean, we put numbers on the board, so yeah. if 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 you want to like look at the uh, the stats, the numbers are there, you know. So we are like the idea. The idea was there, and we've done it. We see we can do it. We know we are capable of doing it. And now the realization has come to us, and we're like, okay, what's next? You know, like what's next? Yeah, and I think we're in this for the long haul. Like. I know when I first moved to LA, everybody thought I was gonna quit, but I'm still here. <laughs> right, but no, we're. we're you can't quit us, no. <laughs> I've tried for sure, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, yo, we're in this for the long haul. We're really, and like, it, it, we we have the vision, we have the focus, and we have the talent. More importantly, right? So we just got to keep pushing and getting stuff done. And I think, um, you know, just sharing our story and like really being it like yo we didn't went we weren't even taking money for like all the money from and i like this is to be transparent right we just started like paying ourselves like last year gee like 2019 like so like we yeah we were like in essence for like a traditional like event thrower like you're getting bre- yo all the money we made went right back into the company like we weren't taking anything, and still we're not even paying ourselves a lot now. Like, the most of it still goes in there. Like, so it's like, yo, I mean, if all you add up the hours that money's probably. That's what I'm nothing. saying. Like all this, like, nah, you can't. Don't we can't? We're we're, we're incomparable. Like it's like, gee, like we're not we're not getting we wasn't getting paid for that. You know what I'm saying? We're doing conference calls like with all the yo like all the work we put in just to go back to the company, yo, and just to provide a service to the people in the city and it's like i so i i feel like in a way it's like yo y'all we're we're just nah nah we're we have a very very specific vision and we know what we what we can do and what we want to do for the city and what we will continue to do have you guys seen um so there's nothing like this when you start as you said it's very unique and it can't really be put in a category but you're paving a lane as you go have you seen your blueprint blueprint adapted by a younger generation or other promoters or maybe stolen <laughs> I'm gonna s- jump in here. I think, <laughs> um, I think uh, there has no. There are other events, right? Um, you know, but it's funny. There were other like people that started day parties, um, like across the street, very close to where ours were, right? That no longer exists, right? Um, I think there are other events uh, that are similar to ours, right? Kind of, but it's also one of those things like, this is what we wanted, right? We wanted to have options, right? We wanted to people to be like, all right, cool. Maybe we don't hit the wave today. Maybe we'll hit this instead, right? Maybe we'll do this today, this week. This is our night out, right? If we don't want to go to Ichiban tonight, we can still go to this, right? And I think it's one of those things where it's like we help create, right? We help 
indirectly give opportunities to other people, right? Whether booking them and then they created their own thing later or like, you know, showing, creating like a blueprint, right? For people to like, all right, I like what they do. We'll put a little spin to this, right? And cool, that's what you do, right? We didn't, we, we didn't, we didn't invent day parties. They were doing that in LA, New York, all these other cities, right? We just brought it here and put our own flavor on it, which is what you're supposed to do, right? Um, and I think, but Boston's such a small market that it, it sometimes it, it seems competitive, Right. But it's people you've known forever. And it's not really competition in that way. I think if everyone kind of um, carves their own lane, every everybody can coexist peacefully. Right. And I think that's kind of what it is right now. But I don't know what anyone else thinks. I mean, definitely there's people who have credited us with inspiring them to do their own thing. And a, a lot of them are, are have shown us the love back by continuing to support us as well. Um, just to kind of shout them out, like Bad Decision Collective. They're also a good, like, in uh, Not Your Average Boston. They're also good friends of ours. And, you know, like, they, yeah, they've credited us with, you know, give, giving them the courage, especially as other groups of, of people of color as well, giving them the courage to do something cool and, like, different in the city of Boston. And, like, and, like, and Malcolm said, and just to kind of go back to what we said, like, in the beginning, we wanted to create the Boston we wanted to see. And this is part of that. You know, we used to go to New York and Brooklyn or whatever, like any borough, you can hit five different parties in one night and have a great time. And that's what's happening here now. You know, week in, week out, there's always something to do. That that wasn't always the case. So this is, this is our success is also other people's success. Yeah, I think, yeah, to agree with Brian, I think it's like you have to be, somebody has to, to jump in the pool first. Mm-hmm. I think we jumped in the pool first and showed everybody, oh, the water's not bad. Um, I, the only thing I would say about Boston is that, um, like, if everybody that's in this space of creating events and curating events was on the same page, we would be able to have, like, a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, a Thursday night. We could have a whole segment of the city where it's like, go to that district and it's going to be, you could pop in and out. Um but I feel like at times it's like people it's, – it's just hard because people will see something and they'll think that I can do that same thing. But you can't really do that same thing. You have to figure out your own lane and go in that own lane. And that's my only critique to what we see in the city at times. It's like you just have to find your own space and find do what you want to do for the right reasons. Don't do it because you see somebody else doing it or you think, oh, that's cool and I can do it better. It's like – in that competition model or that model, things don't succeed because it's like a cannibalist system. I think if everybody was on the same accord, same page, like, so, yo, Monday night, you're going to do this, Tuesday night, and we're just going to create this whole environment where anytime you come to this city, it's going to be great. Or, like, you're going to go to this area, I'm going to go to this area, we'll go to this area, and we'll all just work on different spaces. But if it's like we're all working at the same venues, we're all competing for this, you know, percentage then that's where we run into, like, okay, like, the city, we're going through some things in the city. But I think, like, you know, there's space for everybody here because when we started what we were doing, it wasn't that much space in what we wanted to do at all. It would be like it's either you're going to the theater district, you could go check Middlesex, you could go check Good Life, those are the places that we'll stay. And then it would be like, all right, like, there's nothing really after that. But Yeah, everybody can eat, and I think that's the whole point, right, as – 
you know, um, and I think, you know, a big thing for us to share too, I think it's like mentorship too, right? Um, I think, yeah, it's just, I've never like, and I don't think anyone in the crew is really like, we have given opportunities to anyone who's really asked, right? That came to us like genuinely. It's like, yo, I want to rock with y'all. Like we've given out a lot of opportunities, whether that's to DJs, whether that's to, I don't know, photographers, whether that's to videographers. And we're still that doing is. that. We're still doing that. I mean, um, we offered opportunities to other artists as well, and we still do trying to find out ways to continue to do that. And uh, like Malcolm said, mentorship. We had a stage where, you know, like we've learned from what we've done and we're continuing to learn and grow. And as we grow, there's patrons who've come to the wave and like what we do and they want to be part of it and that's what we want to see is all right the genuine um passion to want to to expand that you know and it's not about us man it's about really we're just really helping out the scene man like and i i just it's not really about us it's it's about i don't know it's it's really not man we're just here trying trying to provide a service I i don't know how it looks outside looking in but it's really like it's it's really about. It's never just, really been about us. It's, it's always been, just been it's about Boston. I'm broke. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny because it's like you wouldn't even know really like who Collective is unless we really like said it was like we kind of want to be like those shadowy fig like not shadowy but like figures in the background of like yeah like we never came out to the mold to say this is our party. Well, like, obviously everyone knew Malcolm was the cute one, and then it's like <laughs> all right, you know, also the, homies, also so the darkest we, one. <laughs> so. No, no, no. Easy to stick out. How how big do you want to grow this event? How big are you going to get it? You know, Boston is, Boston and Massachusetts have a lot of red tape for anything you want to do in events. And we have yet to see a group of, like, of people of color cut through that significantly. You know, like, we have, we have yet to see a proper festival ha- executed by people of color happen in Boston or in Massachusetts. And we've had that dream for a long time. We've had that dream of of basically being at the table with the city officials and being invited to that table, not just busted in the room, but being invited to that table and basically told to sit down like, yo, like, what do you need to, to make this happen? You know, what do you need to execute this idea? We see that happening with all, you know, all types of like events in, in Boston that don't you know that don't represent we don't feel like they represent um the diversity of the city and we want to f- fulfill that we want to be able to get to the point of fulfilling that i got two more questions this is a light one you guys have thrown hundreds of parties pro tips i'm trying to throw a party tonight what do i need to make it lit okay all right so i i i think you need to one um figure out what type of vibe you want identify like what type of party you want to have um then it's like who are you speaking to like who are your guests going to be because i can have a party and like okay like but if not the right people aren't there it's not the party because the party's for the people um focus on creating the best experience for a woman at the party that's 100 percent. 1000 percent. if women ain't coming Nobody Ain't nobody coming. And if they're, if, if they're, if they're sure. not comfortable either, you know, creating a climate where it's like, you know, whatever language you're sending out speaks to them. Whatever environment that you're creating, they're comfortable in. They don't feel like 
you know, it's an aggressive environment or if it's something that they can relate to, then you've already won half the battle. And then it's just all aesthetic from there, you know? In the moment of the party, be ready to be the first one to dance. If you're throwing a party and there's not people dancing, you didn't throw you're a party. You're doing something you, wrong. You threw a networking event. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, if a, a proper party involves dancing. All right, last question. In your crew, collective, who's the weakest link? <laughs> nah, there's no weak links here. There's no weak links here. I, I would say, like, if, if there was a weak link, well, Malcolm tells bad jokes on people all the time. <laughs> but if there was a weak link, I would say it. But I think, I think the, the best part about us, and that's what's kept us together for the longest time, is that, you know, we catch each other when we're falling. You're, you're only strong as, you know, the people around you. And I feel like together, like, we've gotten each other through great times. We've gotten each other through bad times. And I, I, I can never say, like, I w- it would not be right if I said that there was a weak link among us. I think, like, we all we all watch each other's backs. We all make sure we're all good. Um, and there's, there's, yeah, I don't think there's any at all. That's sweet. It's definitely Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening. Huge thanks to the members of Collective for coming in to tell their story. To see what they have in the works and keep an eye on their upcoming events, go to their website at CLLCTV.us. Their site is CLLCTV.us. And they're also on social media as CLLCTVUS. Big thanks to our producer and editor, Larry Doherty, for his work behind the scenes, and to Johnny for writing, producing, and performing the theme song to the show. The song is called Everything Else, just like the show, and you can find it anywhere you listen to music. Please give us five stars, subscribe. Uh, thank you. Until next time. NBC Television. Mm-hmm.